Chisholm Cook, as always. And man, this is great, Chisholm. Today is my last day in quarantine. I can go back to some semblance of, of normal life. My 10 days are up, and I know you are, uh, you just headed back from the dealies where you didn't actually get the vid, but uh, you had to go there because of uh, some exposure at work. You had to go to the deer lease and, and isolate. Yep. Um, in fact, I think I was technically exposed the day we recorded our last episode. Uh, which is... I hate it when people expose themselves to me. <laughs> uh, I will <laughs> unless say that... Unless it's my wife, then I'm okay with it. The irony uh, across the board, uh, just... To, <laughs> actually prefer her to do that. I don't know. I mean, I guess we all knew it was going <laughs> to come for us at some point, right? But Right. Um, yeah, uh, I'm on day eight. The newest CDC guidance as of last week is 10 days, as you pointed out. Um, but I'm perfectly fine. Uh, so I went ahead and came home. I won't be around anybody else until I hit that 10th day. So, um, I know, you know, the only reason that unlike you, I went and quarantined away from the family was, well, it was the rut. So (laughs) (laughs) that was an ancillary benefit. That was, that was not part of the formal decision-making process. (laughs) Right. No, I didn't want my kids to have to basically quarantine from school for the remainder of the year. And it was like, less than 48 hours from my exposure that I got confirmation. And so, you know, they say, okay, you know, what for whatever that's worth that, right. You know, you're almost definitely not contagious before like four days and usually not sick until closer to six. And so by getting out of there, I, I technically never exposed them because I wouldn't have been contagious and the school agreed with that. So anyway, right. I'm good, right. and to your point, I, I did my work from uh, the ranch. Deer ranch and uh, got to film some pretty awesome books <laughs> before 8 a.m. and uh, after 5 p.m. each evening. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, it, you know, we had a, uh, a justified pursuit of our own in the uh, Smith family. Henry shot his first white-tailed doe, I which I, awesome. I don't remember if we've recorded since that happened. I think, no, we have. Yeah, we have. We, we have. About it. Yeah, yeah, a little yeah. bit, though. And, uh, and your daughter shot her first buck. So, um, certainly validating as a father, which we've talked about, um, what we have a lot to get into today here on episode 15. Uh, I've got a couple things that I wanted to bring to the forefront before we got into the meat of the conversation. I don't know if you saw this and, you know, we've talked about how the higher education system in this country is kind of the root of all leftist ideology it's where these kids get well now they're getting indoctrinated early 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 uh going back to you know what we've seen in california and on the east coast and with the uh transgendering stuff uh the book review we did on um irreversible damage but really traditionally over let's just say since i would go the 60s and 70s we've seen this leftist 
movement in university and professors just, and I had professors, we had professors at, at a Baptist university at Baylor. And certainly when I transferred to North Texas, that was tenfold. The liberal ideology was there front and center. But when you see this come out of Cornell university, and I don't know if you saw this, this was in the news this week, someone sent it to me and I was like, there is no way that is real. Click, 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 Google search. It's real and disturbing. They are making white students get flu shots. They are not making minorities get flu shots because they've been oppressed. And how are they able to trust a flu shot administered by basically white people? So, and that's an Ivy League school, Chisholm, Ivy League, the highest of higher education. Yeah, I saw that. Um, the separate, separate but the, equal. The I mean, virtue going backwards. The virtue signaling. Yeah, dude, exactly. The virtue signaling among academia, and to your point, it, I mean, it is the worst among the Ivy League. Like it's absurd. I, I, I listened to uh, a brilliant economist named uh, uh, Lowry. What's Lowry's first name? Um, Mm, I can't think of his first name. Dr. Lowry, Mm -hmm. uh, a black economist, one of the premier economists on the whole damn planet, uh, a Brown University professor for quite some time. He's got like an MIT, I think he got his PhD at MIT. Um, You know, he genius, it sounds like. Yeah, big time. Glenn Lowry is his name. Glenn ripped the Brown University president uh, a couple, um, probably two months ago, because she released some. Uh, ridiculous you know letter specifically claiming that you know institutional racism is alive and well within brown and um man one of the uh one of the just the the toughest uh sons of guns i guess in uh in our administration is uh betsy devos the uh secretary of education or education secretary whatever word basically the the education department replied and said oh you're acknowledging racism within your own school and you get federal funding for your private university. I don't really understand why that's the case, but um, maybe we need to do a little bit of investigation because, you know, you guys are basically subject to the same laws that, that, you know, that the government itself would be subject to. Mm -hmm. Needless to say that tamped down a lot of the virtue signaling, but it didn't stop this. And again, (laughs) here's the message. We love black people so much that we don't, they don't have to get a flu shot. We love white people more because we want them to get a flu shot so they're safe. What? I mean, like, Dude. you're saying this like like you care about them, and so they don't have to get a flu shot, but isn't a flu shot a good thing from their standpoint? Like, I, it just <laughs> doesn't make a lick of sense, man. There are so many ways to cut this particular thing that, that are, I mean, all equally preposterous i mean i think we, we've talked right about the city of seattle segregating whites and quote people of color for race training yeah and even the state of oregon uh, i think at the university level doing the same thing with students like it like you said segregation the left is pushing segregation across the board like they have since the jim crow era and the segregation era because it was the friggin' democrats who were doing it all along but whatever dude yeah i talked about this uh with uh, with a african-american buddy a hunting buddy of mine a guy is just an absolute hog murdering machine uh and we were talking about this earlier today and he was like dude it's just 
it's it's upsetting as an African American. We're going. He's like we're taking two steps back for every one step forward on race relations and and progress. And uh, I was like, it, it, it was nice to hear that coming from from my you know African African American friend. Yeah, I, I, I talked to black friends who are saying the same thing, right? And, and <clears throat> it's it's clear they've just, I mean, they've completely abandoned the concept of uh, not being judged by the color of your skin, but by the content of your character, right? Like, and, and in fact, I mean, they're 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 admitting it, right? This this postmodernism, uh, you know new age identity-based Marxism, they say all that matters is your identity vis-a-vis -vis your color, gender, et cetera, because that is somehow definitive of who you are and where you come from. And it's like, no, it's part of that, but it's not who anybody is to say, oh, they're black. So they've had this lived experience. No, no, it's, uh, ah, dude. It, <sighs> makes me insane man i might have had too much coffee before we did this <laughs> that's okay how about this is another one i wanted to bring to the table youtube just announced that any uh content <laughs> claiming presidential election fraud will be deleted they're allowing whatever's been um put on up to this point going forward anything having to do with election fraud from the from a presidential standpoint in this election they will delete as part of their new policy yeah that's um That'll be uh, interesting to watch them enforce, being that there is a uh, Supreme Court case brewing, uh, which we're going to talk about. We'll, we'll we'll put that in our back pocket, but yeah. I guess they'll uh, I guess they'll just call, call that entire proceeding uh, fake news or whatever. <laughs> right. Well, but going back to 1984 and how they rewrite history, this is YouTube, in my opinion. Well, it's not even an opinion. It's their attempt to rewrite history. We know there was fraud. We don't know how much. We don't know if it would have changed the outcome of the election. But to say, oh, yeah, remember 20, the 2020 election and just pretend like there wasn't fraud is them rewriting history. Sure. I mean, it's rewriting history, but it's also, I mean, it's, it's like worse and, and than that. It's, it's worse, than, it, it's worse than that because it's not even history yet, right? It's right. It's news in the making, and these allegations keep pouring forth. You know, from everything from little stuff to big stuff, and dude, this Supreme Court case. I mean, I wish I had a chance to read all ninety something pages of it, but you know, they've got a listing of facts that. Yeah, yeah it, they're 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 rewriting the present, and um, while this case is under review and again the, well and the hilarious thing which i think you're going to get to in a second is that you only have to rewind history four years and you can find where the democrats hair was on fire trying to overturn the election results of when trump was first elected which they then continue to do for the next three and a half years up until the point where they finally impeached him for bs mm -hmm. um and you know you only have to go back to 2002 I guess, right? The Bush Gore election to find an example of them taking the matter all the way to the Supreme Court. You only have to go back to, I think, 2018 and you can hear Rachel damn Maddow. And I only say damn because I'm trying to lay off the F word, making claims about the Dominion voter systems being hackable. Like, 
They've all they've said all of this stuff for years, but now that it's the Republicans complaining them. about it, it's like y'all are ridiculous conspiracy theorists, QAnon, you know, whatever. I have friends that voted for Biden that are now throwing the and I've never even used this hashtag, but they're throwing the stop the steal hashtag at me in like in fantasy football text. They're like Tyreek Hill didn't really have 234 yards. Stop the steal. Fake news. Like, <laughs> come on. I mean, uh, one other thing before we get into that um, election stuff and the Supreme Court possibly taking that case, uh, I wanted to mention something that just happened here in my neck of the world. Irving, Texas, there is a Democratic uh, representative, and her name is Terry Meza. She just introduced HB 196, which would prevent you or I from protecting our own property by the use of deadly force unless we were so provoked um, physically first. Like, you know, in Texas, we can protect our property. Someone's trying to steal your truck, you can shoot them. Someone's trying to break into your house, you can shoot them. Don't have to, there doesn't have to be deadly force involved. This would make it to where they had to actually attack you first. Um, and this is the hilarity of it, dude. I'm reading her comments. And she said, quote, in most instances, the thief needs the money more than the homeowner does. Jesus. She reasoned. The homeowner's insurance will reimburse his losses. On balance, the transfer of property is likely to lead to a more equitable distribution oh! of wealth. Yeah. If my bill Sorry. can help make Sorry. this transfer a peaceful one, then it should be considered. I think you just gave me an aneurysm. Oh my gosh, dude. On Who balance, the transfer... Let me reiterate what she said. I don't think you heard uh, me. On balance, the transfer of property is likely to lead to a more equitable distribution of wealth. So she is validating... Advocating. Theft. She's advocating yes. theft. Yes. 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 Advocating it as a means to her communist agenda. Who? Uh -huh. Where? What? What count? What? You said this is a Texas politician. Yes. Right? Her name is from Terry where? Meza from Irving, Texas. Uh-huh. Democrat. In the Texas House Representatives, there in your B one ninety six, dude. It is a real thing. I just posted it on my oh, Instagram. Yeah. Uh, well, of course we know that that stands a snowball's chance in hell. But just it just proves unequivocally what we've been saying, dude. That the Democrats in this country have absolutely been hijacked by Chinese communism, dude. I mean, like she's that, putting the value of a unbelievable, dude. Yeah, I mean, a a thieves. Oh man, okay. I'll be it's honest just... with you, man. I'll be honest with you. If if I if I my property is worth more to me than a, than a thief's life. You know what? You don't want to get shot. Don't steal shit. I don't know that I would. Um, I honestly don't don't I don't I don't I don't think if I was carrying and I saw somebody breaking into my truck to steal it, I don't think I would shoot that person. Um, there if on my actual real property real estate property in, in or near my home uh there's not there's a shoot first ask questions later policy right but like right. if i'm at academy yeah and i see my truck driving off i'm probably gonna call it a loss right right but, I, I think i would but too. the worst part of everything you just said is the justification she straight up advocated on behalf of communist principles that theft is okay that is, I didn't know that. 
Uh, you can probably tell by my initial reaction and my continued reaction. I thought you did have an aneurysm there for a second. Dude, I, I couldn't. Like I said, I had too much coffee. I couldn't believe what you were telling me. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And this is right here in my own backyard. I mean, uh, one county over in the county that I was born in, in Dallas oh, County. So, yeah. Yeah. It's uh, absolutely insane. Two plus two equals five. And I have one last thing in that vein. So, and this is actually more of a hunting uh, related issue, but uh, SCI is the title sponsor of my um, other show. And they recently, I was reading in their, their press release that they filed a petition with the Department of the Interior to close this loophole. So, you know, like African trophies have been a hot button issue and the importation of them, um, you know, lion, elephant, rhino, cape buffalo, and a leopard, the big five. So the, if you get a permit, though, one would think that that would give you the ability to have it in your possession at your house, right? Like, why would I be issued a permit if I couldn't have it in my possession? Common sense, right? Seems to be. Well, the, the, the anti-hunting faction has started to exploit that and probe at it, saying that the permit lets you bring it into the country, but it doesn't mean you get to have possession of it. <laughs> so SCI had to, they petitioned the Department of the Interior to try to close that loophole and make them clarify that... Uh, the permit abs absolutely means possession, not just bring it into the country. But again, two plus two equals five. We live in a clown world where, you know, the sky isn't blue and common sense is extinct. Yep. True. Yeah. I, that, I, that's, um, that's a screwy little approach they're taking. It's just hilarious that they're so adamantly, you know, wound up about this it's it's hilarious that they they're so wrong about about the issues they're so wrong about what conservation means and how it's achieved uh i was listening to louder with crowder earlier do you know who Stephen crowder is the change my mind guy yeah exactly the change my yeah. mind guy yeah those are his best work for sure those are fantastic um this he, he brought up hunting uh because he was talking about, he was talking about gun rights in general um did you see the? Did you see the episode here in the last day or two that went viral where the the Santa Claus at the mall told a little boy he couldn't have a Nerf gun for Christmas? He needed to pick something else because he's a anti gun advocate. <laughs> Made the wow. kid cry. Made the kid cry in front uh -huh. of his parents and a whole bunch of people, uh, a four year old no less, all over a Nerf gun. Uh, so they were, you know, worked up about that, and um, he tied that somehow to like, you know people teaching their kids to hunt and understand, you know, what a gun can do and all this stuff. And, and he goes, and listen, I don't hunt. I never have hunted. I don't expect that I ever will hunt, but I can tell you, you know, he said, all, you know, there's all these leftists that, you know, are up in arms in the interest of quote, protecting animals that want to like basically ban hunting. And he goes, and the thing that's incredible is they don't realize that these animals wouldn't exist, but for the hunters, he says, nobody on the planet does more for conservation. Mm -hmm. Hunters doesn't, we know that. Right. But they, right. they so. But it's nice to hear someone that's uh, conservative yeah. based say, hey, I get this. Like, yeah, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure that out. Like the, that guy gets it. He's obviously a bright guy, but he gets it. And the yeah. information is right there. It's just if you want to plead ignorance or indifference and not soak up that information, well, then that's your own damn fault. But that's well, how they live their lives. The leftist feels are more important than facts. Leftist feels. That is exactly right. 
Um, <laughs> let's move on to the uh, the meat of today's conversation. Uh, I know, and you're going to do a lot more talking on this because I haven't been I haven't researched it as in depth as you have. Uh, but where do you want to start? Do you want me to just go ahead and play the the 2016? A celebrity thing where they were calling for a coup by the electoral college yeah let's knock that, that hypocrisy out real quick yeah because it, it ties to last conversation and it leads i think into this pretty well so. all right let me pull it up yeah. i've got it queued up here and uh well i lost it but let's see here i'll, I'll set it up while you look for it so this is a, a video that's still on youtube uh we'll definitely include it in the show notes um that is basically a bunch of Hollywood, eh, mostly B-list celebrities um, in 2016, right about this time. It was like like the first or second week of December, right before the, the may have been actually between. So on December 14th is when each state is required to have uh, certified their results. And then I think it's January 6th is when the electors then meet to officially vote. So between the certification of the results, which showed Trump would win, and the actual electoral college vote, this group of, of Hollywood elites released this video begging um, for like 26, I think is what they needed, Republican electors to vote for Biden, which that's probably a, a global understanding everybody should have that the no, for Hillary. I'm sorry for Hillary, right? Yeah, 2016. Yeah. Um, thank you. The the Constitution, this electoral college process is, is what the Constitution dictates, right? And and technically speaking, the electors that are delegated by the states, they can vote however they want. Now, each state has then built upon that under the Constitution uh, to create a popular vote within each state, and then the electors are supposed to be beholden to that but again they're, they're not constitutionally bound to go in and vote the way that their state voted uh, you know that the citizens of their state voted so these leftist hollywoods hollywood types were arguing begging for 26 i think electors from republican states to to actually vote for hillary in contradiction of their states like to save the republic they claimed mm-hmm yeah. Well, let's take a listen to it. It yeah. starts with uh, Martin Sheen. You go. Oh, yeah. So not all B-list. Martin Sheen, I would say, is yeah. A-list celebrity. Yeah. Yep. Republican members of the Electoral College, this message is for you. As you know, our founding fathers built the Electoral College to safeguard the American people from the dangers of a demagogue and to ensure that the presidency only goes to someone who is, to an eminent degree, endowed with the requisite qualifications. An eminent degree someone who is highly qualified for the job. The Electoral College was created specifically to prevent an unfit candidate from becoming president. There are 538 members of the Electoral College. You and just 36 other conscientious Republican electors can make a difference by voting your conscience on December 19th and thereby shaping the future of our nation. I'm not asking you to vote for Hillary Clinton. I'm not asking you to vote for Hillary Clinton. I'm not asking you to vote for Hillary Clinton. As you know, the Constitution gives electors the right to vote for any eligible person. Any eligible person, no matter which party they belong to. But it should certainly be someone you consider especially competent. Especially competent to serve as President of the United States of America. By voting your conscience, 
you and other brave Republican electors can give the House of Representatives the option to select a qualified candidate for the presidency. I stand with you. I stand with you. I stand with you. I stand with you in support and solidarity with conservatives, independents, and liberals. And all citizens of the United States. The American people trust that your voice speaks for us all. And that you, you will make yourself heard through the constitutional responsibility granted to you by Alexander Hamilton himself. What is evident is that Donald Trump lacks more than the qualifications to be president. He lacks the necessary stability. And clearly the respect for the constitution of our great nation. You have position, the authority, and the opportunity to go down in the books as an American hero who changed the course of history. And you have my respect. You have my respect. You have my respect. For your patriotism and service to the American people. Unite for America. So, I mean, initial reaction, Chisholm, is what a crock of shit from where we were in 2016 and what everyone was talking about then saying, oh, we should... Please, Electoral College, do what's right for America. Elect, elect a competent man. And then they put in a guy who's like one step away from vegetable status uh, who can't even walk his dog without breaking his ankle. And here we are today. Com- yeah, com- complete a sentence. Remember, you know, what position he was running for. <laughs> uh, that happened during the campaign. Um, yeah, to me, you could just trans you, you could transpose the word trump with the word biden and they could release the same ad and it would be uh more valid in retrospect than it was four years ago Mm -hmm. uh you know i I mean i think you and i have made it clear that we're aware of trump's idiosyncrasies and i've certainly acknowledged that i just really wasn't down with the guy for the majority of this four-year run but somewhere around the middle started coming to my senses and then this year especially i started to realize there's not really a a choice mm-hmm. um he's he talks crazy but he's not crazy whatever man yeah it, it, it's it's hilarious right and and then it bleeds right into what we started off with how you know the, the entire media um you can go back to bush v gore uh you can go back obviously to 2016 they were making all the claims that trump supporters are making right now um and obviously in this video going so far as to beg the electoral college to not vote for him uh, despite the, you know, election outcome in their individual states. Uh, But then, you know, right now, if you said anything like that in support of Trump, you'd be demonized by all the same people. Racist. Right. Racist for sure. And, you know, a hundred other ad hominem attacks and, and, you know, uh, just dismissed as a kook and da, 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 da. And Yeah. (laughs) yeah so that's where we were four years ago Mm -hmm. and then here we are today and there's definitely proof of election fraud like we've talked about don't know if it's enough don't know but it's there and every american conservative or progressive should want to know 100 percent what happened so that it doesn't happen again and yeah it, it maybe it benefited them this round, but what if it doesn't the next time and and the Republicans figure out a way to alter election results? I don't know if they will or if they would, but I think we all want to know. I say that's probably not true to be, that's probably not true at all. 
now that I, it sounds so stupid that I even said it because they clearly don't give a shit. No. Right? They didn't give a shit four years ago. They didn't give a shit during the four years intervening when they tried from day one to deny this president's legitimacy. And I'm not just blowing smoke. They were saying it. Elected officials were saying it. The New York Times was saying it. Dude, right before this election, Hillary Clinton was saying no matter what, that that Joe Biden should not accept the results if he loses. Like, but but we're all supposed to just bend over and take it. Yeah. Right. Because if yeah. not, then you're a racist and you'll get canceled. So yeah. That's the double standard. It's rampant in society, and it's it's it, politics is it mirrors that perfectly. And I don't know which one is first, or maybe the media is first. I don't know. But uh there is certainly a double standard there. And it's absurd to listen to what we just listened to and the hypocrisy now knowing what we know today of election fraud. But, you know, like you said, you use the word kook. That's what they chalk you up as. Yes. Yeah. Oh, that's a Trumpster. What a kook. He's, that whole- he does not in, living in reality when yeah. reality is, uh, you know, two plus two is five. So. Yep. That whole that whole video they talk about. They cited to the Federalist Papers, which I just I just find that adorable that these, you know, <clears throat> leftist authoritarians don't believe in states' rights to begin with and then try to use Federalist Papers talking specifically about the reason for the Electoral College is to ensure that the people don't actually accidentally, you know, elect somebody incompetent or unfit and it's, you know, that they have the right to intervene. That's what the founders intended. They're right with what they're saying, but then they put forth this clearly incompetent geriatric, you know, who's losing his mind. Like, clearly, if he's competent right now, he will not be in four years. And I don't think he is right now. Mm-hmm. Anyway. No, he's not. He's on the downhill side of a 47-year political career right. uh, or whatever it is. So after having listened to that um let's talk about the latest in the election fraud uh i know ted cruz was a big part of i think it was announced today actually uh but i'm gonna i'm gonna shift here to you and and let you spearhead this part of the conversation because like i said you've researched it uh a lot more in depth than i have sure okay um, I've been consuming it like everyone questions. else, Chisholm. I've just been looking at snippets on social media. <laughs> so, yeah, right. I, uh, and understandably so, because like I said, this is a 92 page legal document. And um, frankly, the main reason I don't practice law is because I don't particularly dig reading 90 some odd page <laughs> legal documents. <laughs> uh, but this one is certainly interesting. Um, like I said, I, I haven't read through it all, but I have read some uh, articles on it. I have sounds tedious. It. Uh, you know, f- as, as far as these go, it's actually, it's actually not that bad, man. Um, mm-hmm. it, it's not a terrible read. Whoever wrote it is a pretty decent writer. And, um, I really wish I'd have gotten a chance to really dive into some of these, uh, what they claim are, you know, actual facts, but it's a lot of the information we've been hearing, um, you know, that they're, they're actually making the Supreme court look at and consider, but I guess, you know, to start with, uh, for those who don't know, or those who do, but don't really have a whole lot of understanding of it. On uh, the 7th, uh, and then followed up 
today, the state of Texas through our uh, attorney general, Ken Paxton mm-hmm. filed a, uh, technically it's, it's not a lawsuit yet. What they've initially filed, and this is all legal technicality stuff, but they filed a motion for leave to file a bill of complaint. In other words, the first thing they have to do is get the Supreme court to agree that they'll take the case and then they'll file a lawsuit before the Supreme court. So this step right now is basically them arguing that the Supreme court should take a case. Um, right. And, and so that's what they put forth, but it does have a brief within it, arguing why there is a case to be made, arguing why the state of Texas has uh, standing, which is basically one of the easiest ways that cases get dismissed, particularly at, at the Supreme Court level, is that the person bringing forth the case doesn't have, quote, standing, meaning that uh, basically they're like a non-party, right? Like, like you can't, you can't, I couldn't file a suit on your behalf if somebody wronged you right? You've mm-hmm. got to file the suit. So, you know, one of the main questions that the court will have to address here is, can the state of Texas even bring this suit? Um, but they've obviously got their argument in their ducks in a row as far as that goes. Um, and then um, normally a case is worked through the typical judicial and appellate process to get to the Supreme Court, right? Like you file it in uh, federal district court, and then a decision is made, and then somebody appeals that decision to the U.S. Court of Appeals, with that that district falls within, and then a U.S. appellate court issues a re- ruling, and then if there's somebody who still wants to challenge that ruling, you can get to the Supreme Court, and all that crap can take like f- two to four years in most cases. Mm-hmm. Um, there are ways to expedite it. Uh, I better fast track this one. Well, so but so that's what they've done, right? Is <clears throat> there are there are there's basically ex- exceptions to having to go through that process. And that is where the Supreme court has what's called original jurisdiction over the matter before the court or the, the law being challenged. And so what they're saying here is that inherently by the constitution, when one state sues another state, that is a co- case that's exclusively tried before the Supreme court, you get to skip all that other crap. Hmm. Um, so that's their, their main ca- case. as far as that goes and, uh, I think on venue, it's sort of a non non issue. The the question will be, can the state of Texas bring the case on behalf of basically our citizens? Their their argument is they can bring the case on behalf of this, the voters of the state of Texas who were disenfranchised by the stuff which we'll get into that these four states claimed or you know pulled, uh, and that they're also suing on behalf of the electors who would be delegated to go on January 6th to actually make their official votes mm-hmm. uh, because their votes are like nullified by this wrongdoing. Uh, so as far as the, the, that, so what they've done is they've sued the states of Georgia, Michigan, and Wisconsin and the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. Um, I did read um, that like seven other red states have joined Texas in support. And I don't know exactly what that means, but yeah. I did read that seven other states have come out and said, we stand with Texas. So that's not official yet. That's funny because I mentioned Stephen Crowder earlier on his episode today. Uh, he had to uh, basically walk back a tweet that they sent out this morning from their shop hmm. saying that it turns out it's not verified yet. Like they, ha- okay. I don't know that they haven't actually formally done it yet. Um, I saw last night Arkansas had, I hadn't had a chance to double check that, but to your point, he, what they did say is that by the end of the day today, 
we may see as many as four states join the lawsuit. Um, okay. It doesn't change the dynamics of the suit, but I do think it's important from a uh, public uh, standpoint, just like the view of the you know, sort of a PR standpoint, right? Like, right. Uh, frankly, as the Lone Star State and the only formally independent uh, sovereign nation uh, among the states, um, if Texas wants, if Texas has to stand alone on this, I'm so cool with it. that. But yeah. I would certainly prefer um, every, uh, basically every Republican state in the country uh, to jump on board. Um, notably, I guess, uh, kind of jumping around, but they specifically say we're not asking the court to render a decision on who won. We're not asking the court to 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 block biden's win we're just asking the court to answer these questions as applied to this election and future elections and the to me the the main the main thing that they're asserting and it's something i've mentioned repeatedly on our podcast in the 60 or so days leading up to the election on november 3rd the secretaries of state and secretary of the Commonwealth for these four states started screwing with the law. The constitution makes it under the guise of COVID. Exactly. Right. Because it was right. All this mail-in ballot stuff and how, what deadline they had to meet and what would be counted and what wouldn't, and whether these signatures had to be verified and all this stuff. Who gave them the authority to do that? Nobody. That's the point. Nobody. The Constitution makes it abundantly clear. It states that the legislatures of each state shall appoint the uh, electors and shall pass any laws with regard to how those electors are appointed. And so these election laws that we have state by state, those are, you know, those are the ways in which the electors are appointed for those states. So, so this is strictly a constitutional issue. And it delegates that power to these legislatures, Congresses, right? The House of Representatives and Senate for each of these four states. So to your point, in the, actually, so there were not only the secretaries of state for each of these states, but also there were some, some cases brought, uh, lawsuits brought um, that allowed... Uh, like for settlements and in court judgments that that changed it. So the point being, these laws were in place. Laws requiring uh, signature verification between a, a voter registration card and their, uh, uh, I guess their the rec- the formal request for a mail-in ballot. Right, those signatures have to match. Um, the deadline by which uh, they would stop counting votes in Pennsylvania, they extended it a full week, if I recall. Mm-hmm. Um, in Pennsylvania, they said that they would accept smudged uh, uh, post-mailed, like let you know, ballots where the 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 postmark had been smudged and couldn't be read. They were going to count it regardless of when it came in, and you know, whatever. Um, the issue of observers, uh, you know, people being able to watch the vote count. All these things got changed. Most of them by the single executive orders of these secretaries of states. And that's exactly to your point. Unless and until each state can show that they have a a law on the books that creates some sort of exemption in case of an emergency or a pandemic or otherwise delegates to the secretary of state the authority to do these things. I've said since day one, I don't understand how they did that. And I don't understand why nobody's suing about it. Mm -hmm. Like, so how did they, right. How did they override 
law, legislatively enacted governor signed law in each of these states as it applies to the election of the president, right? Right. Um, so anyway, that, that, that's basic. That's the main basis of the case. Is you that, know what? That that makes me think of just a freaking wild west society where or culture like you, you have politicians who just on a whim can change the law, right? That's not what this country is is built on. We have a a legislative process for a reason, and obviously you Absolutely, are an dude. attorney, and so you're much more well versed on that, but. And just like the casual layman, I'm like, what, what kind of lawless society is this? <laughs> These people can do this and get away with it. A hundred percent, man. It, it, you're right. It, this, is, this is authoritarianism. No one individual at the city, state, or federal level should be able to come in and say, I know that the law says this, but we're not going to do that. That shouldn't be permissible. And I, I guess we're going to see pretty soon whether it is or not um i read this cool article uh about this thing in the federalist uh which i've mentioned a couple times mm -hmm. and um they they pulled out this quote and said there was a number of them in this thing but this is the this is the introductory uh paragraph uh three sentences to the actual um complaint <clears throat> it says our country stands at an important crossroads Either the Constitution matters and must be followed, even when some officials consider it inconvenient or out of date, or it is simply a piece of parchment on display at the National Archives. We ask the court to choose the former. <laughs> uh, I mean, and that's exactly it, right? Like, that's kind of one of the main themes of our show and, and just what's going on in society right now, dude, is this wild attack on the Constitution from the left on everything from the way the Senate is structured to the court packing issue now to whether you know leftist democrat secretaries of state can go in and dick around with laws passed by the legislature on how votes are counted um man you know i I'll, i understand the argument from the left about disenfranchising voters right and saying that their vote isn't going to count because of a procedural regularity i get it at the same time, I am, I do believe in certain thresholds, there has to be some kind of damn standard mm -hmm. for counting votes. There has to be, you know, like we, we've talked about how California has no voter ID law. And, you know, Dave Rubin pointed out that it was such a lax process. He's got no doubt he could have gone to the same polling station two days in a row and voted twice. And my guess would be that happens with impunity in California, right? I think it was, they, they I think claim, it was Dave Rubin that um, where I saw the the YouTube update. Actually, your guy Dave Rubin, yeah, I think that's where I saw that earlier. On the seven or eight other other states, yeah, yeah, no, no, probably... no, 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 no. The YouTube, the like I, that I brought up at the beginning oh, of the oh, show. yeah, 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 the, where they're gonna bar anybody from talking about it, right? Yeah, yeah. I think it right. was a tweet that he had sent out. Yeah, probably so. Yeah, um, but you know, so their argument against voter ID laws, and it's a battle that rages here in Texas all the time, is basically like, well, you're, you know, you've got lots of people over the age of eighteen that don't have IDs for various, you know, different reasons. Get an ID, dude. I mean, right? Get it, a freaking ID. I don't know. Here's the thing, man. This is a really, this is a really kind of bare knuckles look at it, and and, and I admit it sounds ugly. 
I don't care. But if you don't have the wherewithal and, and, you know, and maybe it's not your fault, dude, maybe you are a victim of your circumstances where you were born in a destitute place and, you know, nobody gave you a point in the right direction and, and you're just like a lost soul in a severely impoverished community, whatever. Right. But this if, is if not a third if, world country. If you don't no have excuse. the Go get wherewithal, exactly. If you don't have the wherewithal to at least get a, just a ID, not necessarily a driver's license, just a Texas ID or a California ID. I don't know that you need to vote because frankly, that kind of shows some like massive deficiency and, and therefore your vote. I don't trust to be for in the best interest of the country necessarily. Right. Like that's dude. Like how does, you're not asking how does it, how does a 20 something year old say buy some beer if they don't even have a damned ID. Right. Like, right. We need it for everything. Frankly, dude, I had two IDs when I was that age. I had a fake one and a real one. I would love to know. Uh, One day when I run for uh, political office, I'm going to have to delete so many things. Oh, you mean you mean like the uh, the the new press secretary for uh, the quote unquote president elect who had to delete some 10,000 tweets that she had put out about uh, Russia hoax stuff? Yeah. No, I uh, I plead the fifth on whatever you just said. Mm -hmm. Pretend like it didn't happen. Right. Um, I, I would love to have an I wish that there was a way to determine, dude, I would I would really bet that the percentage of Americans that don't that, you know, adults over 18 Americans that don't hold some form of valid state issued ID, dude, I bet it's probably comparable to the percentage of transgender people in the greater it's population. comparable to how many fractions of a 10th of a percent. Yeah. Like, I, I just, I don't, I don't, I just don't know that that's a real issue. It is an issue for uh, people who are here illegally. <laughs> right? right. Or, for which again uh, we don't blame them for coming here illegally i don't care i mean like i i would do the same thing if i was in their shoes that doesn't mean that they're an american citizen and doesn't give them the right to vote dude i grew up in farm country in deep south texas less than three hours from the mexico border and i can tell you unequivocally that people who came here illegally from mexico are some of the hardest working people that you'll ever meet they'll work circles around the average american and they contribute mightily to our society. They didn't come here to but sit on I'm their ass. I'm not going to say, right. I'm not going to say they get the right to vote in this country until they've gone through the legal process of becoming a citizen, period. That's all there right. is to it, yeah. man. And, you know, the, here's the other thing. We know why the left, dude, the left's real motor, voter ID motivations are so blatant. They say they want illegals to vote. Yeah. They want to make it legal for them to vote. They want anybody in the country to be able to vote. So there you go. Like, uh, yeah. Yeah. So th th that's the basic sort of framework of the, you know, of the case of, of, of how they're suing, why they're suing. Um, they're making, well, and then, and then some other sort of specifics. So I think we mostly know about um, some of the, some of the facts that, that Rudy Giuliani and, and the president are asserting in each of these, uh, hearings that they're doing across the country and stuff. But one of the things that's come out, um, I know in Pennsylvania and I think Wisconsin as well in particular, is that um, that there is evidence that the practices uh, being implemented in terms of like everybody's probably heard about, uh, I think in Pennsylvania in particular, 
people get being when a when a when a ballot was submitted that was uh, flawed, it wasn't sealed properly or signed properly or whatever. People being given a chance to cure it, right? Correct it. Mm-hmm. Like they were getting called and said, "Hey, your ballot screwed up. You should fix it." Um, what else? Like, uh, well, whether or not signatures were checked, that was not being done. Uh, consistently across the state of Pennsylvania or consistently across the state of Wisconsin. So there's nothing in here from the state of Texas that says you four should have done it the way we did it. All mm-hmm. they're saying is you four should have done it the way your state legislature said it has to be done. Ooh, point the finger right? at you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and yeah. so, and so there's that, but then there's also this sub issue where, you know, in Wayne County, Michigan, where Detroit sits and in whatever County uh, the city of Philadelphia sits, right they were considerably more lax and accommodating in curing faulty ballots or refusing to validate signatures versus, you know, the entire rest of both of those states, which voted red, right, where they stuck to the law. And so what the Supreme, the other, one of the other kind of avenues that the state of Texas is going after is that that is a violation of the equal protections clause of the constitution. So they got a number of constitutional claims they're making here under the election electors clause, the elections clause and the uh, equal protections clause. And under the equal protections clause, the basic argument is if Republicans in Republican counties were not given the right to cure a defective ballot, then, you know, Democrats in democratic controlled counties shouldn't have been either or Conversely, every, you know, either everybody had to do it or nobody, nobody could do be doing it. But to have disparity within the state, particularly when that disparity was the result of violating state law, then that's that's uh, unconstitutional because it, it doesn't protect the rights of the citizens of those states to have uh, basically equal treatment, right? Mm-hmm. And I, I do. <laughs> when I first heard about this last night, and the the first uh, sort of summary I heard about it. Or, I mean, I guess read about it. It was uh, uh, it was from a you know very Trump oriented news uh, group. I can't even remember who it was to be honest with you. But you know they they were like this is a strong case. They're making strong arguments. I tabled that, but I got the gist of what they were arguing. And like I said, I had f- identified this issue before the damn election. I was like, how are these damn attorney generals getting to just or secretary oh, yeah. of state getting to just change this? Um, now that well, I've and, and Trump kept bringing it to the public eye, um, but you would only hear about it on one news outlet because, of course, exactly. the the MB, MSNBCs and CNNs are not going to report on anything that uh, doesn't, you know, align with their agenda. Right. Well, which I, this is totally unrelated. What did that guy say when he jumped on the call with the CNN people? Oh. What, what all played out there? We should play that sometime when we have it ready at our fingertips. But yeah, he basically. So that's uh, James O'Keefe from uh-huh. uh, Project Veritas. And uh, for anybody who doesn't know, if you remember a few years ago, uh, this guy had like, uh, you know, recorded conversations with Planned Parenthood officials who talked about how they sell body parts and, you know, how, uh, you know, providing abortions is like the biggest moneymaker that they have and how they go about like marketing their abortion services to drive revenue. Like it was grotesque, right? It was, mm-hmm. it was bad. It made Planned Parenthood look hood look awful that's these guys and uh they've been doing these sort of sting operations for quite some time now um so (laughs) the first shot across the bow was like last monday he releases a video on like parlor and all all these new social media sites where he 
it's him with a con- like a conference call system on the like a you know speakerphone on the desk and there's a conversation going on and he he sets it up he's like so we've been recording every every day at 9 a.m eastern cnn's uh ceo jeff zucker hosts a call with his uh you know directors at cnn to discuss the approach to the news for the day the news of the day etc and we've been recording it for like 60 plus days at this point the end of each of these conversations and over the next several weeks we'll be releasing videos or audio recordings of these calls and then he turns the freaking mute off and starts talking it turns out he had uh, he had a mole basically in cnn that had provided him the, the login credentials <laughs> to their this call awesome so he interrupts dude it's <laughs> like this i uh, the ceo of cnn he's interrupting right yeah he's like i uh mr zucker uh yeah this is james o'keefe with project veritas da, da, da. and he reiterates everything i just said and uh and he's, so we, we have a couple questions the first would be do you still consider yourself uh the uh the most trusted name in news given the fact that these recordings pretty clearly uh demonstrate how you manipulate the news for your own agenda and there's this like <laughs> silence and then zucker starts going uh well uh, uh thank thank you uh thank thanks thank thank you uh for for, uh, for that uh statement um so yeah i guess at this point we'll go ahead and uh, we'll end the call and we will set up a new system uh, to host these calls going forward <laughs> So where can I can where can folks find this this stuff? I, I want to go and I haven't listened to any of it yet. Yeah, I mean just Google Project Veritas. I, I've been looking at them on my parlor account. Uh, you can follow them on there. They're There's got to be some there. damning stuff in there as far as the, him controlling the narrative and deciding, you know, hey, we're not going to report oh, totally. on that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I'll be honest. So I, I think I've watched four of them. You know, I, they're all bad. They're mm-hmm. bad in varying degrees. Um, I'll give the people at CNN credit. They're able to say things in this regard to soften it some, right? Like, do you know what I mean? Like they're able to sort of phrase stuff where it's clear what they're up to, mm-hmm. but it's not as just brutally blatant, uh, at least so far. I, you know, I'm, I'm hoping he's hold, holding some of the best for last. But yeah, I mean, yeah. so far, the ones I've seen, he, uh, they, they, they admit that after the election, the Biden campaign people reached out to CNN and asked them not to cover Trump's election fraud claims because they don't want to give it any air or any credibility. So they all agreed. Yeah, we'll just not talk about it. Huh. Wow. That's I mean, I, when I, I said that none of it was too blatant, that was pretty effing blatant, right? Like that was. Yeah, dude. I mean, yeah, I mean, we're, we're a news organization, but we're not going to talk about potential. Right claims of voter right. fraud. so right. okay yeah uh, so uh, anyway didn't yeah. mean to derail that i just w- what you said got me thinking about that i, I was like i haven't I haven't gone and listened to that i need to so project veritas uh o'keefe the guy's name is o'keefe and i'm gonna definitely start giving that a uh, a hard listen yeah yeah for sure check it out um balls dude it, <laughs> watch the original video the guy's got a pair it we'll is give the him that. ballsiest thing i've ever <laughs> seen <man. laughs> it was so awesome um back to this case though texas suing those four states um i believe uh, paxton asked senator cruz to present the case if the supreme court does indeed take it 
Yeah. Um, thanks for throwing for bringing that up. Exactly. Um, I think it was Paxson himself. Uh, it, Ted Cruz shot a hell of a buck in South Texas this last week, by the way. Yeah, he did. It was really. I think that eight point had to be one fifty. Oh, he's easy one fifty, man. I had my hands on a one forty seven today. Other day, I think that buck's probably pushing one sixty, man. <sighs> he's long. Uh, yeah, it was a big one. Um, yeah, so I do believe you're right that it was Paxton that specifically asked Ted Cruz, who, for those who don't know. Ted Cruz graduated top of his class from Harvard Law, one of the greatest debaters in the history of Harvard Law's school, um, and was and has litigated, dude, like over 10, like double-digit cases before the United States Supreme Court. Say what you want about him. Mock him all you care to. He is a brilliant, brilliant legal mind and... Uh, a debater that nobody wants to met dude i mean like him and ben shapiro on the other side of a debate from you is should be something that makes people wet their pants right the level of experience he has before that court uh you know half of the members are people he would have already personally you know tried cases in front of long story back to the point he he, he basically said if the court takes the case and that's the will of my state, uh, I, you know, I'll, I think he either said I consider it or he straight up said he'd do it. Yeah. Um, and there's, there's literally nobody in America who we would rather have in that seat. Like mm-hmm. that, that's the guy for the job. Um, if you've been watching any of the hearings on uh, the, the social media, overlords controlling our minds um in particular the way he beats up on the twitter guy um yeah i saw an exchange between the two of them yeah i mean he's just been raking those idiots when they tried to cover up the uh, hunter biden stuff right right yeah yeah um and like i told you before the call like (laughs) if this all comes to fruition regardless of of what it does or doesn't do to the outcome of the election you know Ted Cruz was not a Trump guy. He obviously ran against Trump in the primaries four years ago, five years ago now, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, and then even went to the Republican convention, if you recall, and said he would not endorse Trump. And he got hated in Texas for that and hated across the Republican Party for that to the extent that the Beto O'Rourke debacle was much closer than it should have been. People think it was like razor thin. He still won Texas by like four points. Yeah. Um, but it, that was closer than it should have been. I think um, um, our other senator, why am I blanking on everybody's names? Um, Cornyn. Thank you, John Cornyn. He won by mm-hmm. like eight, right? So it was it was too close. Right. This, if he gets a chance to argue this case before the Supreme Court, regardless of what happens from that, I believe that his, I, I think his ticket to the Senate is written in perpetuity. I know I will vote for him forever. Like I will Which anyway is ironic because he and um Senator Mike Lee of Utah were two people that uh co-sponsored a bill that would put term limits on senators, you know. So that just tells you there, in, in my opinion, it just tells that you that talks volumes about his character. Damn right. Yes. Um but Damn of course right. that that bill went nowhere because the you know career politicians don't want to have their <laughs> their gravy train altered so yeah and you know what if you want to be super cynical you could say they knew it was going to go nowhere so they really weren't jeopardizing anything um but that's kind of to me the same as saying like oh that person only gives to charity to make themselves feel good (sighs) whatever dude those guys were willing to put their their careers in the senate on the line for what they believe in 
what the right policy should be. Uh, again, nobody understands the Constitution better. I think we've talked about it. The one thing I can say that I'll always disagree with Ted Cruz on is his public zero to yep zero tolerance policy for public lands. Um, and even there, I have to acknowledge his argument. He's right. The Constitution doesn't say a damn thing about the federal government owning public lands. That yeah. was very likely, uh, certainly very arguably, a federal overreach by Teddy Roosevelt. But it's one that I cherish and you cherish, mm -hmm. and uh, it has created some of the finest resource protection uh, the world has ever seen in perpetuity for our great-great-grandchildren. And so, like I've said about Trump, if I can agree with 75% of what he does, that's pretty damn strong because mm -hmm. I don't agree with 100% of anybody on anything. So if my only beef with Ted Cruz is that and in all other ways he's protecting the Constitution, even on that front, somebody needs to be making that argument, right? Even if I don't agree with it, somebody needs to be making that argument. So mm -hmm. um, yeah, I certainly wouldn't, be, wouldn't want to be against him, especially when you look at the facts that are being alleged and the rebuttals that we've had so far, dude. I've, we've, you and I have talked about this multiple times now. The morning after the election, we woke up and saw that 136,000 votes had been added to Biden, Michigan, and 124,000 or whatever in Wisconsin. Those two data dumps alone are greater than the margins in those two states. And the best right. explanation that we've heard is, in the Wisconsin case at least, oh, somebody forgot to add a zero. It was, supposed, it, it was 12,600. It was supposed to be 126,000. So they forgot to add a zero. They fixed the zero. No big deal. We're, like we're living in a third world country where Dude, the explanation flies and no one's like, oh, that's fine. So uh, going back to what I said, opening this conversation, we should all want to know. But yet some people don't want to know. And, and I guess ignorance is bliss, man. But you can't sit here and tell people or believe in the idea that we live in the greatest country in the world, if it's all just a sham. Agreed. Agreed. So let's get to some of those things that would really undermine the, uh, the uh, opinion of people who are being fair and actually paying attention to this. 173,000 ballots in Wayne County, Michigan, again, where Detroit is, cannot be tied to a registered voter. 173,000 mail-in ballots were counted that don't have a verifiable registered voter to back them. That's insane. That's California. Then now you're just California. Dude, at least there they do require, quote, registration. They just don't require an ID to prove it. Like, <sighs> let's wow. see. Lots of stuff You're in here a step about further than California. That's oh, that's really damning. They've got stuff in here about how there are videos of of poll workers erupting in cheers and applause as Republican poll challengers and watchers are removed from vote counting centers or being blocked from entering vote counting centers. The suitcases under the table in Georgia, et cetera, et cetera. Oh, I can't remember if we mentioned this or not, but in Georgia, the the um, can't remember what basketball arena they were counting votes in, but in Atlanta. The fake pipe burst thing? Yes. They claimed that a water main busted and they sent all the watchers home, but four of them stayed and kept counting. Yeah. And today, and it's been acknowledged that was a lie. It's been acknowledged. It's not true. But we're still supposed to be like, I don't cares, dude. No big deal. <laughs> no big deal. 
let's see. In Georgia, voters oh, or wonder why they, you know, I, it's pretty obvious to see why they don't feel like going and voting for this uh, Senate runoff is worth their time when all, that yeah, stuff's going on. Right. All, all claims of Dominion software being uh, able to be manipulated, uh, you know, they just dismiss it. They say it's not true. Anybody who claims it is conspiracy theorist. Was Rachel Maddow a conspiracy so, theorist in 2018? Uh, no, no, of course not. She was, she was all over the facts, obviously. Yep. Um, so, so, I despise so this is that woman. Th this is a paragraph. Uh, I won't read the whole paragraph. I'll just get to the main port main part. So they, they titled this paragraphs facts for which no independently verified reasonable explanation yet exists. <laughs> so they've got several <laughs> in here, but That's the one that I, I like found yeah. Yeah, best is that Michigan election officials have admitted that a purported, quote, glitch caused 6,000 votes for President Trump to be wrongly switched to Democratic candidate Biden. Dave admitted No this. explanation other than, oh, it's just a glitch. Don't worry, there are no other glitches. It was only 6,000 votes. He only won by like 28 or 40 or whatever. But eh, that's fine. It's all good. Uh, let's see. A flash drive containing tens of thousands of votes was left unattended in the Milwaukee Tabulation Center in the early, early morning hours of November 4th without anyone aware it was not in proper chain of custody. That's one of the kind of other main themes that they get through here is like every state has these chain of custody laws, these votes, particularly these mail-in votes, you have to be able to demonstrate where they were at any given time, right? Who had them? That's another area where these, these secretaries of states have waived or, 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 you know, just abandon uh, law in that regard. Mm -hmm. uh, this is an interesting one. On October 1st, so over a month before the election in Pennsylvania, a laptop and several USB drives, drives used to program Pennsylvania's Dominion voting machines were mysteriously stolen from a warehouse in Philadelphia. The laptop and the USB drives were the only items taken from the facility and potentially could mm. be used to alter vote tallies. I'm not sure about that. How convenient. Proof for that, but yeah, yeah. Um, Oh, you know, I'm, I'm, you know I what I like, Chisholm? I like looking around my recording studio and looking at all the dead deer in here. It makes me happy when I'm having to listen to all this bullshit. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, it takes I me to a happier place. Chisholm. You got a bunch of big ones too, so I'm sure that it does. <laughs> this is depressing, dude. So depressing. <clears throat> Man, you know, we I, I've tried to be, I've tried to just stay like level-headed, and um, no uh, one gives a crap. Dude, I mean, the general yeah, American population just is kind of like, oh, our guy won, so who cares? I know. I'm so sick and tired of listening to, again, even conservatives at, like, National Review, guys I trust, trusted it very, very much to tell me what's going on from a conservative perspective. You know, even those guys saying there are just no, there's no proof of, quote, widespread voter fraud you know what the trick to that statement is the word widespread mm -hmm. how wide of how widely does it have to be spread right that's right. the question right i'll give that tucker, is, tucker carlson credit he's been on top of it since day one and even like has taken a lot of heat from the people that you're talking about on the conservative side they're like ah he, you know shut up tucker like i mean I like what he's doing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, he wavered there and took a rash of hell for it, um, particularly going after Sidney Powell. 
uh, for not coming on his show. Um, well, good. I mean, if, if we're, all we're hearing about is, you know, it's all speculation until it isn't. So I think people, you know, here's yeah. the electoral college uh, deadline for them to submit, cast their votes is coming up and we haven't seen any proof. So I, I'm, I'll, I'll say this and, and I really hope everybody listening will, will really think about this. Um, Tucker's okay. Um, at least half the time, I think he's spot on and what he's val- adding is valuable. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Tucker is a lot closer to Bernie Sanders than he is to Ronald Reagan. And I'm, I'm dead serious about that. And he would say that I've watched him say something to that effect. That dude is a populist. Uh, actually he's like a born again populist because that's not how, who he was back when he wrote for the hell did he write for, um, I know he's he's come from like doesn't he have a, a background that's more leftist? Yeah, well, like he used to do the Crossfire show. He used to be, I think, on CNN before he went to Fox. Mm-hmm. But you know, I, I've heard him on with Ben Shapiro arguing that the federal government should outlaw automated vehicles or you know autonomous vehicles to keep truck drivers from losing their jobs. That's not a that's not a conservative position. It's not mm-hmm. even close. That's a huge intrusion into uh the economy and technological progress by the federal government he he had he agitates for that sort of stuff all the time he talks a lot about appalachia and the problems being faced by appalachia and how badly the government needs to step in and solve these problems on behalf of these appalachians right he is he is a i guess a right-wing populist but like we've talked about before populism is where the left and right come back around and meet yeah. Right. And Trump is a bit of a populist himself, um, but he kind of talks more populist than his actual policies. Uh, I, th- getting back to Crowder, Crowder did a little bit of a takedown on Tucker last week, I think, um, where he goes, he knows Tucker. Uh, he worked at Fox, uh, I think about the same time Tucker came over, maybe. Um, he's very familiar with him. Right. And, and he mm-hmm. basically like outlined that trajectory we just went through and how much his viewpoints changed over the course of those four stops that he had. And then even how his viewpoints can change like during the course of a given year and how sort of sounds very Kamala. He, you mean Kamila? (laughs) Yes. Kamila. Kamila Harris. Yeah. I'm not going to be concerned anymore with her appropriate pronunciation. The new pronunciation is Kamila. Yeah. Comrade. That's right. Comrade Kamala Harris. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is an yeah, interesting one. When we one. started this show out, Chisholm, we had like grand ideas of, I don't know how we got into just politics all the time. <laughs> I think we started in political season. So <laughs> yeah, uh, just, uh, I don't know. I think we'll, we'll, we'll get back into other issues eventually, but here we are in the election of our lives and there's, widespread is the word fraud uh which i think is you know what what are the uh who said that widespread didn't exist so he's admitting there's fraud just not widespread but yet i think i think we're all in for a surprise on just how widespread it was based off of what what we know now and what we've just rehashed here today right well and again that, that that gets to the heart of the point i was trying to make which is what does widespread even mean 
-hmm. how widespread does it have to be to turn the election? These four states decide this election. Each one of them is anywhere from like 12,000 to say 30 or 40,000, you know, votes differential between the two candidates. So these are tight ass races. Mm -hmm. I don't know what widespread means, but I think moderately spread (laughs) voter fraud in each of these four states could have been the difference. And dude, I mean, there's, there's plenty of more than like a fraction of a percent is widespread in my opinion anything that's enough to turn an election yeah well, or, or even just turn one state even if that state didn't affect the outcome of the election that's widespread that's rampant here, fraud dude, here's the other thing that all of them are doing is they they talk about voter fraud most of these allegations are not voter fraud these are election process fraud claims right and that's actually different so everybody who's making that claim knows there is no widespread voter fraud that's that's picking you know what's the word i'm looking for you're They're saying oh you can it's, import it's, it's, into it's, the country but you can't have possession of it right it's splitting hairs dude it's mm-hmm. it's using it's using you know sort of hide the ball typical political bs to be able to defend themselves and say well we were talking about voter fraud not the secretary of state's fraud <laughs> right or but he facilitated the voter fraud like through right. his you know blatant disregard for state constitutional laws Right. I guess the difference I'm getting at is like voter fraud. It kind of implies that voters uh, or the votes themselves were somehow fraudulently cast. This is all more about how they were counted, how they were called or or not called on that note. Yeah, I got you. And and this is probably in here somewhere in the state of Georgia in 2016, 2.6, I think was the number percent of all mail in ballots were discarded because of unmatched signatures. 2.6, okay. In 2018, it was roughly the same. It was like 2.4, 2.5. It was right in that same ballpark. So these are just, these are ballots that they're just kicking out immediately saying, put that one in the trash. Because the signatures of the registered, on the registration card didn't match the signature on the, uh, I guess the request for the mail-in, I think is how Mm -hmm. that works. Uh, In 2020, uh, there were five times more mail-in ballots than 2016. Five times. A 500% increase in mail-in ballots. So a greater sample area for, you know, margin yeah. of error there. Yeah. And the percentage that were discarded based on this exact issue was less than a, it was a fraction of a percent. It was like less than 0.1%. What? Yeah. And I need to go back and double check, but if I'm not mistaken, the actual number of ballots was less, right? So there's percentages and then there's raw data, right? And it, yeah. it was like 4,600 votes had been cast out when five times more votes, which I think was less than in 2016, whatever that 2.6% represented. Uh, dude, these kind yeah. of anomalies are inexplicable. And in Georgia is super close. That absolutely could be the difference in the state of Georgia. Um, <sighs> this was a really interesting one, man. I'd only first heard about it last week, and this goes into a, a little bit more detail about it. But if you remember, there was a case before uh, the Supreme Court um, before the election about specifically some of the stuff going on in Pennsylvania. And somebody brought suit, uh, well, the Republican Party actually brought brought suit, um, trying to get an injunction to require, to, to have the court mandate to the state of Pennsylvania that they would have to keep ballots segregated 
Um, I think this is based on the uh, the issue of when these ballots were received. Um, mm-hmm. So this is where they, they extended the deadline for receipt, right? I think that's what it is. And they were able to get it out of the Supreme Court by the attorney, by the Secretary of State, Secretary of the Commonwealth, technically, uh, stating, swearing, that they would keep the ballots segregated. And they, they say here, before the ink was dry on the court's 4-4 decision, Pennsylvania changed their guidance, breaking their promise to this court. Like, they changed it, and they didn't keep them segregated, and now we can't go back and verify what, when, what, which came when. Like, that's... Right. Some of these votes have been destroyed. Some of these ballots have been destroyed that yeah. these numbers are based on. Some of them well, have been the commingled. The first thing the point a good crook does is destroy the evidence. Right. Say. Right. Or so. at least muddy it up where it can't be seen. Exactly. Yeah. This is them going with their little rag and wiping their fingerprints off the gun, like you see in the movies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <sighs> Let's see. Um, I mean, this isn't necessarily a fact, but from some statistical analysis, the state of Texas says that. Uh, the lead was so substantial at 3 a.m. on November 4th that the odds of vice of, of Biden coming back were one in a quadrillion. Uh, yeah, I saw that. It, the odds of, them, of him coming back and winning all four states in particular, yeah. like to, to sweep all four states that he needed, one in a quadrillion. And they write the number out. That's three, six, nine, 12, 15 zeros. <laughs> hmm. uh, it's damning, uh, dude. It's It's... The more we dive into it, the more depressing it gets uh, to be, you know, coming from election day to where we are now and just the evidence keeps piling up. And I've always said, I hope that it's not enough to, to sway the outcome of the election. But we're trending in that direction, man. Yeah, dude. I... Like you just mentioned, those swing states, these four states and. and... This thing's but... not over, man. There is a massive reckoning coming, I, I, but I, I, I do like, let, let's pontificate on that in just a second. Let me throw a couple of more of these badass stats out here, because to your point, you want a civil war, we might be on the brink of it. Um, so these, this is listed in the facts section it starts on page 12 of the, of the thing, but I, you know what else they, makes me happy looking at my gun safe and knowing <laughs> what's in there <laughs> on the heels of, on the heels of your last comment, uh, continue. Slept. Yeah, you should slap a Beto sticker on it. Yeah. Um, the uh, the gun czar, dude. Even that, like, why do we call anybody czars of anything that's, in like this country? A, that's a Russian term. Yep. What? Why is Joe Biden throwing around these Russian terms? Yeah. I thought it was Trump that was in cahoots with the Russians, right? I mean, that's what they've tried mm-hmm. to tell us, anyway. Right. Yeah. I haven't heard him saying czar this. Czar well, we we all know that Biden and the Democrats are actually really in cahoots with the. Chinese Communist Party. Mm-hmm. We, we, we may get to that. <clears throat> so their first undisputed fact. In 2016, 33 point... Wait, no. Uh, yeah, 33.5 million mail-in ballots were cast. In 2020, that number went to 65 million nationwide, an increase of more than 94%. In their very next statement... It says, in the wake of the contested 2000 election, that's the Bush-Gore election, the bipartisan Jimmy Carter, former Democratic president, Mm. and James Baker Commission identified absentee ballots as, quote, the largest source of potential voter fraud. Well, of course. Yeah. So so they point out that we literally doubled the number of mail-in ballots from four years ago 
And then Jimmy Carter himself said, this is something we should be really concerned about. Uh, man, they got so they have a whole bunch of stuff in there about you know the obviously the, the threat of these mail-in ballots. And then, dude, when you don't let people when you don't verify signatures and you don't let people watch the counts and stuff, like obviously, man, like this is just ripe for this, right? That yeah, I, I, and I, dude, I, I wish that Biden would have just won and we wouldn't we don't have all this stuff going on and that we just kept this in it and we all went on with our lives because. You, like you said, there's a reckoning coming, and I don't want that. Who wants that? But how do you avoid it? Yeah, I, I don't. I don't know that we're gonna. We've I, talked about poking I'll, I'll the bear. This, they dude, were poked, the they've poked the bear too many times. The and only way we are av- tired of it. The only way we avoid it is if the Supreme Court rules in such a way that the results stand and Biden gets in, into office, because we know that the right won't revolt over this but we know damn sure the left will. They've been revolting since May. Well, right? you know what? I, part of me is just like, whatever, keep burning your cities down. <laughs> that's, that's where you live. Go ahead. Burn it down. Yep. Destroy um, yourselves. This, this I hate was a, saying that, but... Yeah. This was an interesting statement, and I, to me, it, it really sums up the whole issue. It says, in, defend, in the defendant states, that's the four states, right? Democratic voters voted by mail at two to three times the rate of Republicans. Former Vice President Biden thus greatly benefited from this unconstitutional usurpation of legislative authority and the weakening of legislative mandated ballot security measures. That's it right there, dude. Mm -hmm. These secretaries of state bypassed the security measures that their states had constitutionally enacted legislatively with governor's signatures and created a scenario where twice as many mail-in ballots than ever before or you know sent out often dude i think in michigan unsolicited was, i told you how dude, my yeah, mother in like law got m- dude in michigan it was millions of unsolicited ballots were my mother in law voted democrat for she voted for for uh, obama one time and has since voted um republican and didn't ask for a mail-in ballot and the democratic party sent her one yep. she's not even a registered democrat anymore i mean like she voted she's republican Yep, showed up at her house. Thanks, thank you, Democrats, for that. Anybody could have anybody could have mailed that back in. Yep. Yep. So I, I guess maybe I'm, I should have. Maybe I should have mailed it back in, and then she could have voted twice, right? <laughs> but that's yeah. the thing: is that the, the conservative mindset just doesn't take you to that place. Right. It doesn't. I, I won't sit here and claim that we've that we that we that the Republicans have never been guilty of any type of voter fraud i'm sure they have but sure to your point dude um the right doesn't get violent they protest peacefully the right doesn't cheat they make arguments and these are these are generalizations obviously there's exceptions but yes right but the left won't even allow for argument right they they call the arguments of the right uh, on their face violence now right like they just don't even engage uh, anyway canceled you're canceled yeah I think I'm done going through some of these facts. I'd recommend. Let's wrap it up. We're going long. So let's move on. On the point of this reckoning and and, and what it leads to, man. Let's just sort of walk through the facts here, right? We had the passing of Ruth Bader Ginsburg uh, in what, late August. Yeah. Um, On the heels of the passing of Scalia in the fourth, the final year of the Obama presidency, 
where McConnell and the Republican Senate uh, blocked his appointment of Merrick Garland um, and quite foolishly at the time claiming that, you know, this really shouldn't be done in an election year. Uh, fast forward four years later and the same thing lands in Trump's lap. And now it's like, uh, but it's different this time. And frankly, they've got precedent to back that claim. Uh, and they have a decent rationale. Their argument is four years ago when it happened under Obama, he was in the last year of his presidency and had a Republican Senate. And that Republican Senate had the right constitutionally to block that vote and leave it to the people. Mm -hmm. Whereas this time around, their argument is this president was himself up for re-election uh, and the Senate was held two years ago by the Republicans. So that election is the one that mandates what is or is not appropriate at this point. Dude, it is a, you're talking about dancing, dancing on a tightrope there. Like, I, I'm not saying that it was wrong. I'm saying that it created a situation where just like there are Republicans disgruntled by what we see as, uh, you know, <laughs> trickery and effery, uh, in this election, there will be, this case is going to the Supreme court. I expect the Supreme court to take it up. Oh, importantly, I mentioned that from a procedural standpoint, this, what has been filed so far is basically a request that the Supreme court take the case. It's not the actual case, but the Supreme court has already issued an order to the four States in question that they respond to this claim. So they are engaging with it. They are moving it forward. Once they receive those responses, then the court will decide whether or not they formally take the case, hear the arguments, et cetera. So I don't see how they can't, to be frank. I really think they're going to, man. There are, there's, here's, there's a there's legitimate legal question here, man. Can a secretary of state change laws because of a pandemic that weaken voter security? Exactly what I just read to you, man. It, yeah. there, there is a, they make the point in this briefing. This is not just about this election. We're asking the Supreme Court to rule on this issue, which, I mean, th that's the effect of a Supreme Court ruling in general, right? But they are making the point. We need precedent here. We need something that says unequivocally, thou shall not do this. You can't go screw around with legislation, you know, through single individual executive fiat, right? Mm -hmm. um, but so getting back, right? So, so then we have Ruth Bader Ginsburg pass and the Republicans put Amy Coney Barrett on the court. Obviously, much to the chagrin of the left, um, somewhat in contradiction to the arguments they were making four years ago. And now, as we've detailed, the conservative side, quote unquote, has a pretty much bulletproof 5-4 majority. Not only that, but as we detailed in the last call, they have a five, they have five members that are pretty pissed at leftists, at Chief Justice Roberts, mm -hmm. at you know, sort of the state of things, right? So what I'm getting at is, man, <clears throat> this comes down to Amy Coney Barrett. She's the deciding factor. The last one of these cases that came before the Supreme Court in October, which we just talked about, it was split 4-4 with Chief Justice uh, Cook moving Roberts, over yeah. with the left. Yeah, oh, John Boy. Right. And she breaks that tie. And I, to your point, I think she will. Um, I think she should. I think that that five should stick together here. This case, I'm not saying they should rule in favor of Texas's position here necessarily. They should hear the case though. 
It's what we, you and I have said since day one. Let's just let the facts fall where they may, but let's hear them, right? Mm -hmm. Let's understand what happened here. But the point is, the left looks at her as uh, uh, invalid, right? Yeah. Um, of course, they did the same thing to Trump. They did the same thing to Bush. They basically do this every single time there's Republicans in power. But with her being the deciding vote now, if this is what overturns this election, dude, there is going to be some stuff on fire, literally on fire. These, this country will freak if this individual that was appointed with those, you know, all those considerations, how she got there and everything ends up being the one that prevents them from getting bad orange man out of office. Oh boy. Um, it's it's kind of scary, like you said. Thankfully, we live in Texas, where um, you know even even counties that are that are ninety four ninety four percent percent Mexican American voted for the man, so yeah. he's popular enough here. Austin uh, will have some problems on their hands. They've um, lost their minds entirely there. Um, Houston may you got some commies up there in your neck of the woods in DFW too, but yeah anyway but i'm far enough removed from that to where i feel uh feel safe where i live so thankfully um yeah dude it's i mean it wasn't too long ago that i mean it was like nine police officers got shot and killed in dallas uh in in the name of race relations you remember yeah i mean so they will they they will shit will go down in dallas no doubt about it yeah. but i don't know i hope i hope that it doesn't come to that yeah um, i pray that it doesn't for sure i mean isn't I just, that yeah. sad that i have to say like man I, maybe the presidential election was stolen from us maybe i'm not saying it is or it, or it isn't we don't know but uh if we can get the the senate then just to for the sake of our country maybe it's just for the for the best it's sad that I even have to say that when it could have been taken away illegally. I mean, but I think that's the difference between that, a conservative mindset and a progressive leftist. Like, oh, you're absolutely right. But to your point, we, I think, I think, I think liberty minded people in America, and so I would include in that proper liberals, libertarians, and conservatives, right? Mm-hmm. Believe in the in the strength and fortitude of the, of the American system, I'm, the election part aside, the actual system of checks and balances and the constitutional Republic we've, we've got here. Right. Yeah. To your point, one of those checks and balances being the bicameral Congress against the presidency, against the judicial. And so it's a, it, it is absolutely true that if they can just hold the Senate, if Georgia turns out and, you know, I, I will say this. If they can win in the, win the Senate twice. Right. Right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. They have to do it a second time. Right. But I, I'll say this. All of this that's going on, if it, if it does nothing more than this, these fraudulent efforts will not stand in Georgia on January 4th or whatever they set it for. Like they're already, their, their attorney general is already going after 
Stacey Abrams, who is out recruiting New Yorkers to vote yeah. in Georgia, right? Right. Um, we talked about that for by, sure. Uh, by the way, Mofax, who I haven't mentioned in a while, uh-huh. he's been calling her the future scapegoat. She's the fall guy for the Democrats. Uh, the, the, him and Adam, Adam Courier, like they don't even think it's in, in doubt that this was rigged. They're absolutely convinced of it. Uh, and he started this summer talking about how they're going to pin all this crap on Stacey Abrams. And they pointed out in the most recent episode, they just dropped a couple of days ago. Hey, look whose name's popping up in regards to these voter fraud claims. It's Stacey. Anyway, um, my point is, <clears throat> if this serves no other purpose than to assure the integrity of that, and that delivers the Senate, everything will be fine, right? We'll have some executive orders we'll have to deal with. But as I've d- explained in the past, all of these judicial appointments that Trump has made, not just at the Supreme Court, but more importantly, at the appellate level, are the checks against that nonsense. Uh, he's had his own executive orders checked since day one. Biden's will absolutely suffer the same fate in some instances. Um, are we better off with that scenario than to have this overturned and to Trump Trump to take um, office again? Dude, maybe, honestly, like you, you might be right. In the long, because I, I, there will be people, I am afraid, um, some of which we may be related to, that I could see something like this uh, sort of scarring them so badly that they could n- never be convinced of the like righteousness of the Republic and, and how it, you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. There's already this, which is ironic because they don't seem to give a crap about voter fraud. (laughs) It's like it's totally ironic, right? Yeah, they would be so disenfranchised with the republic that they no longer believed in it. But yet here you are, really just saying, "I don't, I don't really care about voter fraud." My guy won, so sorry about you. Like the irony is so profound. I mean, it's it's laughable, dude. No, I don't expect consistency from leftists, right? Um, <laughs> but, but right, we really, got to like wrap I, this up, though. Yeah. I'm basically done. Other than to say Eric Swalwell apparently Ooh, uh, yeah. was caught uh, diddling a Chinese Communist Party spy who was... Was it a man or woman, just out of curiosity? I think it was a woman. I've heard okay. it was a woman. Uh, but who knows these days? What does that even right. mean? Oh, it's California, you right. know, and it's 2020, so and it's Eric Swalwell, and it's pro- I mean that was probably racist or or you know uh, bigoted of me to even ask. <laughs> right, you're not even supposed to ask that question. <laughs> right, right. My, apologies, my, my bad, everybody. Right. Uh, well, yeah. I, I enjoyed it, man. I enjoyed yeah. this this conversation. Um, I look forward to the next one. I don't know what uh, what we're gonna get into, but uh, that is gonna do it for. Episode 15, Chisholm will have the show notes updated here sometime, probably this week. I'm working uh, on it. I got, uh, got to 11 the other day, so I've got uh, like three more to get caught up. So Perfect. It's perfect, man. Well, for my old buddy, Chisholm Cook, I'm Cable Smith. Thanks for tuning in to Justified Pursuit, and we will see you guys next time. We'll definitely have something to talk about. I hear the crackle of a campfire. You're howling at the moon. We all know that you gotta go, but does it have to be so soon?